Shabbat Shalom. I'm sad tonight. It's Shabbat, our day of joy, but I'm unable to shake this heaviness that envelops me. And I'm sad that I feel compelled to have to share this sadness with you. First and foremost, I am sad for those who were murdered and maimed on the streets of Paris. I mourn for the dozens of French citizens, but also those of 19 different nationalities that were cut down on that night. Many of the victims were young. Their entire lives were ahead of them. They were targeted because they were young. And so we mourn the death of promise as well, the passing of potential. What might have been are among the saddest of all words. In contemplating why I am more affected by terror in Paris than terror elsewhere, after all, I believe that all human life is precious and equally endowed with the divine gift. I think that part of it is that in some way we are all French. We who have inherited the Western tradition have received much of it from France. And thus we too have died a little this week. We are diminished. France is the cradle of liberty. France is the capital of fraternity. France is the cornerstone of equality. Modern France is the culmination of centuries of hard, bitter, and bloody struggle. France represents the dreams of an enlightened humanity, even if she has often fallen short of her own aspirations. Paris. There is something universally human that stirs by the mere mention of her name, a city devoted to fun, culture, culinary creations, arts, letters, cafe, young energies, these irrepressible human aspirations that have been realized in the real world, not perfectly, but admirably. Paris is that magical place, as Victor Hugo put it, to breathe Paris is to preserve one's soul. I'm sad because it is now clear that we are entering a corridor of deepening and darkening danger. We will be living with terror for many years to come. It is the new normal, and it is quite conceivable that it will get worse before it gets better. The West will survive. We will prevail. We are stronger. France will survive. Paris will survive. People are resilient. The ideas of freedom are too compelling to be repressed for too long. But I am sad because I fear that the fight will exact a price, a less open Europe, a harsher, meaner, less tolerant continent. Modern Europe is a miracle. 
The open wounds of European bloodshed were bandaged so effectively that today you don't even know when you're crossing the borders of nations that were at each other's throats for centuries. The continuity of this Europe, open, tolerant, unafraid, generous, and free, is our interest as well. To lose this Europe to Marine Le Pen or the Hungarian Jabok party would be a tragedy of historic proportions and would be a security risk to the United States. Fear, hate, prejudice, and xenophobia are ever-present in Europe, bubbling just under the surface. We have witnessed the devastation it causes many times over. One of the miracles of modern Europe is the effective tamping down of these impulses in favor of tolerance and coexistence, open borders, and an ever closer union. And so I am also sad to observe the disgraceful attacks on refugees by American politicians. Come on, we're Americans. Closing our gates to those fleeing persecution is un-American. It is a betrayal of the American way. The great gift of America is that from her beacon hand glows worldwide welcome. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these homeless tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. This is America. We do not slam the golden door in the face of the persecuted and oppressed. We do not have a faith-based test on who can enter. Who but the Jews know this? Practically all of our families were not here a century ago. Almost all of them were poor, English illiterate, huddled masses yearning to breathe free. So many of our people would be alive today. Their unborn children would be our friends. If only America had opened its golden doors. There are security issues. It is not wrong to point out the need for vigilance and the responsibilities that all countries have to control their borders. We do not do this well enough in this country. I have no patience for those who ignore security needs and only after an attack accuse the security establishment of fatal lapses. These people have the luxury of spouting off without the responsibility of making decisions. But we cannot allow security concerns to change us into something else, something different than what we are. I'm sad because Europe will inevitably gravitate to the many of the very measures that Israel adopts to fight terror. And I don't want Europe to become Israel. Western Europe is in some ways Neverland, the place of dreams where we do not have to grow up. 
where we could escape the reality of fighting nihilism and barbarism every single day with no let-up, having to make all the dirty compromises required to win this bitter struggle. In Neverland, we could spend hours sipping coffee alone with no one to bother us, tuning out the rest of the violent world. In Neverland, we could have learned disputes about the superiority of a brand of perfume or the merits of a fashion designer. There is something wonderfully distracting about an afternoon-long argument in a local restaurant about the virtues of a vintage. And the thought that France will need to do what Israel does makes me sad. Tipping the balance towards more security to meet the threats, proactive measures, raids, intelligence gathering, intrusive electronic surveillance, preemptive attacks, and heightened risks of innocence being harmed. Security officials in New York and in other large cities are acutely concerned about terrorists using unconventional weapons, a dirty bomb or chemical devices. It is not hyperbole. They have already used weapons of mass destruction on the battlefield in Syria. Is there any doubt that they would use them here or in Europe if they could? It is so sad. The very technology that has lifted so much of the world out of poverty and disease and has tied the world closer together is harnessed by the most primitive and cruel forces to destroy this very progress. Imagine what our country would look like the week after an unconventional attack. Who would be the American version of Marine Le Pen? What additional compromises on liberty would we rush to make? This, then, is the reason that all our current debates about naming the enemy are not just semantics. If you cannot even name the problem, how can you craft a response. There is a fight within Islam between the nihilist version and the more humanitarian version. Most Muslims despise ISIS. But to deny that this terrorism has anything to do with Islam is ridiculous. Everyone knows that what we are seeing and what we have seen before the rise of ISIS has something to do with Islam. When events in Paris became known, was there anyone in the world who assumed that the perpetrators were secular Swiss grandmothers? Since it is an internal Muslim problem, we cannot resolve it, but we can help.
we can support those who interpret Islam in a manner more compatible with Western values. We need to understand that the carnage wreaked by nihilistic religion is not simply the byproduct of their philosophy, it is its raison d'etre and the source of its energy. Bloodshed is not merely the consequence of their worldview, it is its purpose and the engine of recruitment. And so there can be no neutrality here. You must choose sides. Once you have chosen to stand with the free peoples of the world, then you can argue all you want about policies and tactics. We are dithering for too long. We will lament not doing more to kill the dragon when it was easier to do. This, then, is why I am sad that so much of the Western world is still confused about terrorism. It's noticeable to me that no one hesitates to call what transpired in Paris terror. Rightly so. They can't even bring themselves to use the word when it comes to Israel. They call it militancy, or grievance, or violence, or some other morally empty term. Yesterday, five Israelis were stabbed and shot to death by the very nihilism that prosecutes jihad in Paris and in Mali. The French, the Belgians, the Scandinavians, they will not acknowledge at least not soon, any similarity between their fight and Israel's fight. They will disassemble and distinguish terror in Paris from terror in Tel Aviv. Perhaps over time they might develop a greater sensitivity, but don't count on it. Don't hold your breath. They are wedded to and dependent upon a false concept that views the world through distorted eyes. To concede resemblance with Israel would be to concede that they have been slaves to a false concept for half a century. The Swedish foreign minister took pains to explain this week that worldwide terror is connected to the plight of the Palestinians. Who, she said, must either accept a desperate situation or resort to violence. It's so Scandinavian. Muslims killing Christians on the streets of Paris and it is the Jews who are to blame. There are no words. Even ISIS itself does not cite the Palestinian cause to justify the attacks. They aspire to a caliphate that will absorb the Palestinians, not an independent state of Palestine, let alone a Palestine living side by side in peace with the Jewish state. But as infuriating as it is, 
Part of me is even willing to accept this Europe as the price of keeping the Europe that I love in one piece. Part of me is willing to overlook the duplicity and hypocrisy of a Europe freely dispensing moral opprobrium to Israel from afar, assuring the Jewish state that Europeans know better how to fight terror and understand Israel's national interests better than Israelis. As infuriating as it is, part of me is willing to overlook the duplicity and hypocrisy because I always take the long view, the historical view, about the Jews. Jews have always been regarded differently by Europeans. Europeans are used to seeing Jews as victims. Jewish tank commanders and Israeli fighter pilots freak them out, let alone having to suffer the audacity of insufferable Israeli diplomats going around the world asserting an ideology of Jewish self-determination of all things. The nerve! I'm sad because the calculus will change in Europe. It always changes when it happens to you. Inevitably, Taking risks for peace looks a lot riskier when it is your streets that are at risk. What is the balance between liberty and security? What are you willing to barter away as the threat comes ever closer? The answers are not easy at all. They only seem easy when they're somebody else's problem. I'm sad because we all know that to some degree Nietzsche was right when he cautioned that when you fight against dragons, you run the risk of becoming a dragon yourself. And given the history of Europe, to rouse this dragon from its lair is to kindle the fires of a great flame. But I do not only want to be sad. Times that try our souls might also be our finest hours. Adversity can bring out the best in people. While they do their worst, we can do our best. Our tradition teaches that you must fight for freedom. The struggle is relentless. We must be on guard every day. We must be on guard against our own impulses to barter away our hard-earned liberties for a mess of safe and secure feelings. And we must be on guard against others who constantly want to take our freedom away, to master us, control us, dominate us, defeat us, and kill us. The struggle never ends. It is in the very nature of the human condition. Judaism emphasizes, therefore, that freedom is not 
granted on a silver platter. It must be earned through daily strengths, daily acts of strength and courage. There is nobility and virtue in the daily fight. All of us have a role to play. All of us can be courageous. Courage is not only bravery on the battlefield. There is civic courage as well. Civic courage is refusing to succumb to fear and xenophobia. Civic courage is going about your daily business of freedom. We will not change our routine here unless and until the authorities tell us that there is a specific threat, we will let them do their job and we will do our job. In times like these, going to the theater and even coming to synagogue on Shabbat can be a meaningful act of civic responsibility. And if you are afraid, it is an act of courage. Courage is not the absence of fear. To the contrary, by definition, courage is the mastery of fear, surmounting fear in favor of higher principles and higher causes. Courage is the daily effort to stand up for what is right, to stand up for principle, even when you are afraid. Courage is the insistence to hold on and endure, to find redemptive meaning and renewed strength in trying times. Courage is hope, the uncompromising belief in a better future. Courage is sustaining our belief in peace, when others let slip the dogs of war. Courage is keeping cool when others are not. Courage is trusting when others do not. Courage is embracing life with gladness and with joy. Courage is the constant striving for the light while others seek to darken our horizons. May the lights never go out in Paris. May the city of light glow eternally. And may the radiance of freedom never fade. In the words of the Psalms that we chanted a few moments ago, Or zarua la tzaddik lev simcha. Light is sown for the righteous and for the upright of heart there will be gladness.